Hello, it's Painter Sharpless, and you're listening to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Yes, a little bit aggressive out the gates, and here's why. Technology. Technology has me in a kerfuffle. Nonetheless, today's show is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Have thoroughly enjoyed Built Bar. In fact, enjoyed it because they sent me my own box, Delicious, which has non-nuts and nut flavors, all right? Easy to chew. We've already been over this, folks. You can be lean because it's low sugary, low calorie, or you can maintain, all right, because of the amount of protein and delicious protein. It can be a supplement for you. It can be a post-workout meal, or it could just be a snack. All right, either way, Built Bar, thank you. In fact, thank you so much for sending me that delicious box of goodies because I've continued buying your Built Bar bars. All right, as I was saying, technology, kerfuffle. It didn't want to do what I wanted to do. My promise, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, to you, the listener of the Locked on Ole Miss podcast, is that you will get your Ole Miss content. My God. And normally, when there's not a pandemic, we're every day. Hence, your team every day, the Locked on Podcast Network promise. Well, on Friday, I came up short, but I want you to know, I want you to know, it's not without trying. All right, we had the podcast, had technical difficulties with the upload, so that is something that you don't really care about. You're just here to get the, the Ole Miss information, and I understand that. I'm just coming here to tell you this. We will continue that conversation, which was one that continued a theme on Bud Elliott's blue-chip ratio and what it is Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin must do to find themselves in a place where they can compete within the SEC West. And if they can do that, well, quite frankly, they can do that on a national stage and be nationally relevant. That is on hold and for good reason, because today our guest is Blake Lovell. This will span a two-part podcast. We will loop back to that conversation on Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio, and more importantly, on what Ole Miss needs to do to find themselves back as a player on the national stage. So my apologies for the technical difficulties. My apologies if I let you down. That was not my intention but on the bright side, as we look ahead to today's podcast, we'll figure out what happens in year one as we look through Ole Miss's schedule, what the limits are for this team. Blake and I discuss a number of topics as it pertains to individual opponents. We branch out a bit, talk about the league as a whole. In the second half of the podcast, which you will get to on Wednesday, we talk about how much time Lane Kiffin will be afforded to turn around and build the Ole Miss football program. Let's dive in. But first, a word from the folks who make this podcast possible. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right now, I am joined by Blake Lovell. Blake, of course, with Locked On SEC. Blake, my friend, how are you? Thanks for giving me some time. feel like we uh, we usually get together and make fun of Calamondo. I do, actually. I don't think you do that. And that will, that will continue at some point. But all jokes aside, how are you, my friend? 
Yes, doing well, Painter. And uh, yes, you are the uh, noted uh, Kellen Mon <laughs> expert of the Locked On Podcast Network. So we have to take advantage of that uh, and promote when we can. So I, I don't know if expert's the right word, but I do know I'm a detractor. And so, Kellen Mon, if you're out there listening and you have a good season, please feel free to single me out. But we will get to Jumbo Fisher and Kellen Mond and all that in a moment. I want to figure out how this year is going to go. For Lane Kiffin, I am optimistic. However, some of my optimism fading, Blake, because like a lot of first-year coaches, Lane Kiffin has lost some very, very valuable time in the spring, and I'm not sure he's going to get it back this summer in terms of seeing his players for the first time in front of him and actually practicing and figuring out what it is they can do. So let's take a look at the schedule Baylor uh, is the opening part of the schedule for the Rebels. I feel good about this, and it actually, you could kind of lump these two teams together. Baylor, with the new coaching staff, they also had a lot of experience that left after the past season. So it is a pretty big rebuild in Waco. And while you could say the same about Ole Miss, I think the way they have recruited is better than Baylor, and for that reason, And that reason alone, talent, I think with new coaching staffs and limited time to prepare, the edge goes to to Ole Miss. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, it's like, would you rather play a team like Baylor in game number one, given the circumstances, or would you rather play a team? Obviously, they're different levels, but a team like Clemson, you know, who's had a coach and plays <laughs> for years and years and have had all this success. Um, you know, now you're going to start off with a team that, as we're saying, is going through a coaching change and really is going to look a lot different uh, than they did a season ago. So I do think it benefits, you know, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin just from that regard because. We still don't know. Look, we still don't have any idea, right? What that first game is going to look like for anyone, and I think that's something too. Is it's not even just a matchup. Like I think it's the the atmosphere. It's everything that goes into it. It's more than likely going to feel like a pretty unique start to the season. And so I think the fact that even though they haven't had a lot of time, you know, to spend with their guys, and it's a new staff, and you're putting in a new system, um, it still offers a lot of unknowns. And quite frankly. I think those unknowns probably do help a team like Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin because they're not going out and having to just start off, you know, with a team like we're saying, like a Clemson or someone like that right off the bat, where you know that even if they haven't had, you know, their spring or summer or anything like that, this is still a program that has a system in place uh, and all these other aspects that will make it easier for them than to give them more of an advantage. Uh, But like you said, you know, also Painter throughout the season, that could be something that maybe shows up as a disadvantage for Ole Miss, but I don't necessarily think uh, that it will be a disadvantage maybe in week one. Yeah, this will be, I think, even though two teams who are not going to be nationally relevant, I actually think this has the ability to be one of the more intriguing games of the year because you've got Lane Kiffin, a hot shot coach who certainly does not mind ruffling feathers, who is well-known for his offenses, and now Dave Aranda, who's had some of the best defenses the last few years. He's going to take over at Baylor, so that will be a fun matchup. Uh, So it sounds like you're not sold on Ole Miss, but you think if if you're flipping a coin, you're going to pick Ole Miss. Is that fair? Well, I mean, I think that's something where it, it feels like it's a lot closer than we probably would say it would be. I'll put it that way, and, and that's maybe a cop-out. It's not as strong of an answer <laughs> as you want, my friend. But um, no, and it is because, like you said, I mean, you have Dave Aranda taking over, and 
And I think it's interesting because, you know, you go from Matt Rule, who we know was everything you talked about, Matt Rule was about offense, right? And that was always the thing we were talking about with him. And now it's like Dave Randa, you know, we're always talking about defense with him. And so there's so many different aspects. And so at the same time, though, you think about it, I mean, yes, you could maybe make your case for Ole Miss winning this game, but you could also say, well, maybe that does benefit a guy like Dave Aranda, you know, who has that that defensive background to where do you really expect Ole Miss's offense to be up and just cruising right along in week one, given, you know, this offseason and everything? And I'd say most people would answer probably not. So maybe that is part of the advantage for Baylor, but it does. It feels like a game that is going to be maybe more of that 50-50. And I think, quite frankly, we could have a lot of those games that that maybe are more 50-50 games in that opening week than it would have been had we had a normal offseason just because the circumstances are so much different. Blake, the next opponent is Southeast Missouri State. Do you feel good about the Rebels? Are we going to both assume the Rebels have, have nothing to worry about here? Go Red Hawks, right? Semo, uh, <laughs> go Red Hawks. But yes, I you am would impressed hope, you got Semo. Um, <laughs> I would hope that that they're feeling safe about this one because uh, let's say you know if they did lose that game against Baylor, uh, if you come out and lose the next game against uh, Southeast Missouri, and and I have nothing against uh, my my OVC uh, fans there, but uh, I just yeah I, I would hope Ole Miss finds a way to win that game. Is there a connection? It sounds like there's a connection for you to the uh, Southeast Missouri folks. What is that? Are you just being friendly or do you have some um, sort of connection I, to that fan base? So. I, have an, I have an OVC connection. We'll just uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so uh, I, I appreciate my, my OVC schools, uh, both in all sports. So we'll just we'll leave it at that. So, so. you mentioned, and you're right, the next three weeks it gets hard because you got to play <laughs> a bunch of SEC West teams that – are typically at least two of them in the top 10 and another one, Auburn, that can go from being in you know the top 10 to dropping out of the top 25 within a matter of moments. But, no. but either way, Auburn is a team that I think the Rebels lose to even though they host uh, Auburn. And I'll tell you why I think that's relevant later, but I, I would assume you would agree. I don't know. There are probably some people that would pick Kiffin in a big home game, first home game of uh, well, excuse me, second home game of his tenure, but first conference game of his tenure as, uh, you know, Gus Malzahn, I think, just has a better team, a lot more experience. I don't see a way the Rebels can can sneak up on Auburn here. Yeah, and I mean, we might as well just tie in these three games and say, if you had to pick one of these three games, right? You right, said if, but right. If they're going to find a way to win one of these three games, it's probably the Auburn game. But... I mean, what is that really saying, right, when you have to go to LSU and then you host Alabama? So it's not like we're saying, okay, pick between <laughs> Auburn, you know, a home game against, uh, you know, whoever else. And it's just like this This is like that stretch where um, you can pick these three and, and they're not easy at all, any of them. Uh, but, yes, I mean, if, if you wanted to say if there's one of these games, you could see them maybe sneaking up. And let's say, you know, let's say they do come out and, and beat Baylor and then just, you know, steamroll SEMO and all this other stuff. Maybe the offense looks a lot better than we thought it would at, at this point in September. Uh, maybe you can make the case that, that you know, yeah. possibly we get a shootout here or something and, and things get interesting. But, yeah, it's you, you go down the schedule and, and really – you know, aside from the, the game against Vanderbilt here in Nashville on October the 10th, honestly, you know, Painter, there's there's not a lot of uh, easy spots here for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin uh, until maybe, you know, that October 24th game against UConn. Uh, then they get that bye to get ready uh, for the stretch run there uh, the season. Blake Lovell of Locked On SEC joining me on Locked On Ole Miss. 
In a moment, we will get to Lane Kiffin's long-term tenure and just how much time he will have to build a program. But for now, we're running through the schedule. I'm with you. Losses to Auburn, losses at LSU, and then Alabama comes to town and probably gives Ole Miss the business. But then you go to Vandy. I feel good about the Vandy game. I do not feel as good about the game the next week, uh, which will be in Oxford, but against Florida. Vandy and Florida, how you feeling about those matchups? Yeah, and I think even the Vandy game, you know, I was kind of joking about that maybe being the easiest one, but it doesn't always seem like Ole Miss and Vandy. They, they just, because they play every year, they just, they always play these weird games. And I don't think you ever know how that game's going to unfold. Like, I honestly think one team could be the national champion, the other team could be winless. And I, I did, but just something weird would happen it would be with way that too game. Close. You know, yeah, and it's just I don't think you ever know what's going to happen with Ole Miss and Vandy. So uh, at least on paper, you would think, I don't know, for Vanderbilt fans, they're frustrated and and want to, you know, be better. I don't know that that's going to happen this year. Um, I don't exactly know what the expectations are for them. uh, But you do feel like that's a winnable game for Ole Miss. And then you said, you know, Florida – you know, you and I have talked about the expectations for the mm-hmm. Gators. Uh, I'm someone maybe even higher on Florida than, than most people are, and, and I'm not saying that I think they're going to win the national championship, but um, maybe they are a team that, that can win the East, uh, obviously battling up there with Georgia, maybe Tennessee. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough, though, because Florida is a team that you know is going to bring in an offense that – that has someone that's been in place, you know, and Dan Mullen and, and they'll have, you know, kind of that, that built in system you would think. And, and you see everything's going to work with there you now with them. That's going to be a tough challenge. Uh, I think to, to beat the Gators, no matter where that game's played, of course. So not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but I do want to talk some about Vanderbilt here because I've got two things to say. You mentioned, you're not sure what the expectations are in Nashville. I'm with you. I don't know what it is. Vanderbilt fans expect from their coach, Derek Mason. And if I were going to give you a reason why Vanderbilt could make this interesting and why they might end up beating Ole Miss's team this year, it would be that experience that Derek Mason brings back, having lacked practice that I talked about. Outside of that, though, and I know I'm not the only one to have brought this point up, it does feel like it would be beneficial for Vanderbilt to do something very different. And by very different, I mean run the triple option. Go to a true air raid coach. Like You are never going to have the best talent. In fact, almost every year, if not every year, you should have the worst talent in the league. So you're going to have to do something weird. And I'm not sure Derek Mason is the answer. On the other hand, he has provided some level of stability. And and I think he's very much in tune with where they are in alignment to the rest of the program. And he understands, I think, some of the true challenges they're up against. And I'm not sure every coach that takes that job really gets it. And maybe you vary your opinion on just how much he gets it, as some people would quarrel with the records he's had. But Mm -hmm. if they go away from Mason, I really do feel as if they're going to have to do something off the wall. Otherwise, I think you stick with them. What do you think about Vanderbilt uh, this season and their future generally? That was a very rambling way for me (laughs) to get to the question. Well, I think you bring up a good point, and, and let's think about this with Vanderbilt. It's it, whether anybody wants to admit or not, it is a different job. Like it's a different situation. Tiny private um, school in this league. I mean, it's just oh, it's got to be brutal to be their head yeah, coach. Yeah, it, it's it's different, and I think you have to admit that you can't you can't compare Vanderbilt to every other school. I think in that sense, and um, you have to understand. I know it's easy to beat up on Vanderbilt because it is. You know, it's it's easy to say, oh well, you know, they've always struggled and they've had a couple good years here or there, uh, but uh, you know, they are 
who they are, but but you have to remember it's it's not exactly the same there at Vanderbilt as it is at some of these other schools. And I think because of the restrictions in place and really, you know, from a, a school standpoint too, I think it's the it's how do you value, you know, Vanderbilt football from an administration standpoint. And there are lots of different things going on there, uh, which, you know, we could talk about for hours just based on all the changes they've made in administration uh, and all that. But what what it goes back to is this. The, the people that have had the most success at Vanderbilt in recent years, and the one that's going to come up for everyone is James Franklin before he went to Penn State. How did he have success? He had success because he put in an innovative offensive type of style, and and that's what helped them differentiate differentiate themselves a little bit because they did play you know a little bit different, and they didn't just go out and look like every mm-hmm. other team and maybe try to just build around holding teams to, to 14 points or something. They basically said, we may we may give up 25 points, but we're going to go out and score 30. And I think that's something that, that Vanderbilt probably, I think a lot of frustrated fans were hoping that, that they would shift more towards uh, maybe hiring another offensive-minded coach. But even when Derek Mason was hired, I mean, I was someone that thought he was a really good hire. Like I thought he was easily one of the top candidates for their job. Uh, it made sense when they went out and hired him. Uh, but but as it's gone along, I think the frustration has set in and that th- their offense is still they've had good players. It's just their offense still feels like it's not to that point where it needs to be. And there's really not a whole lot that separates themselves from some of these other teams. And now, you know, going up against the defenses that you go up against in the SEC, um, you know, knowing that they even the offensive has got more innovative, like we've seen more more styles implemented. You mentioned the different you know approaches you could take with triple option, all this other stuff. Uh, I just think that that Vanderbilt has to find a way to get more creative and get more innovative in that regard because if you're going to be a defensive minded team. Well, that means you got to stop everybody. Like you can't just stop people. Sometimes <laughs> you got to go out and stop everybody uh, if you're going to struggle on offense. So uh, if if they can do that, you know, if eventually there is a change made, you would think that that's probably going to be what they would do. Uh, would be to maybe go out and hire an offensive first coach, uh, be a team that even if you're not winning every game, exciting. you're at least making games. Yes, there you go. You at least have games that are excited. You can get people in the stands. Um, I think that would probably be a big step forward for this program. If that happens, we don't know. Uh, I think Derek Mason, great guy. I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think it's a good fit for for him. Uh, but is it maybe the right fit for Vanderbilt moving forward? Uh, I think that's where you're going to see the frustrations with some of the fans. The fit is interesting, and on paper it made a lot of sense, right? This defensive coordinator yep. who had had a lot of success at Stanford, and you go, well, they've managed to make themselves a mainstay in that conference, yep. given some of the challenges anyway that Vanderbilt also faces. Another thing, quite frankly, is working against is that the coach you just mentioned that succeeded him, or he succeeded, like James Franklin – it was as good as it ever got there. So yeah. that is a tough act to follow up. But I did want to ask you about that as it is. Uh, I'm not sure if you're still a Vander or like a Nashville guy, but I think that was your neck of the woods at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So Florida, that's a loss, right? We've, we've decided that that seems improbable. But I've got in a, a Connecticut Ole Miss game at the end of October, I've got Ole Miss winning that one. Is that cool? I, I would think that, <laughs> that that needs to be a win. Yes. That's part one, part two, the Egg Bowl and more Arkansas Vanderbilt. Yeah, we're talking some bad teams and we talk some good teams too in part two of this conversation with Blake Level. Plus some players flying under the radar who won't be by the time we start this football season. And what does Georgia look like in the East? Blake particularly high on one part of Georgia's offense, but he's got Florida winning the division. So how does that work? 
I'll leave it here. Immeasurably more coming your way, courtesy of Blake Lovell and the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. At the Blake Lovell is where you can find him on Twitter. You can find me at the Paint Sharpless. Let me know. How are we doing? Good, bad, ugly, whatever. And you can, of course, hear Blake on the Locked On SEC podcast. One day in the books, y'all. Four podcasts coming your way this week, Monday down. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll have you covered. The Locked On Podcast Network. Enjoyed it. Hope you guys can say the same. Catch you soon. Y'all be safe, be easy, and eat some Built Bar while you're at it.